0: Okay, so um, I just want to start off by saying that I'm am a little bit nervous about teaching this class or this leading this discussion because I think maybe perhaps more than any other one that we've had together, uh, I think this is there's room for I don't know volatility uh, in the discussion. You know, I, I feel I felt confident that we could do it. Uh, I'm not going to take any strong stands on any issue because there isn't really you know that's. That's the problem. The problem is when you have an issue that's not clear cut, yet people have very black and white uh, perspectives and uh, are deeply set in their ways, and that's where you have the potential like, for like abortion. Well, maybe, yeah. That's another. We can talk about that. I'm more comfortable talking about that. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, to
1: black and white sort of uh,
0: thing, right? And it isn't. Mean, it, it isn't. It it one, it that's right. I, 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 I have spoken many times about. Abortion in Jewish law, and it's even in Jewish law, like we get unfairly lumped together with the Christians and taking a very hardline stance when it's actually not that clear in Jewish law. And I'm sourced, you know, just a honest, uh, you know, an honest analysis of the sources makes that clear. Um, that, that's, that's also an example of, of something where you don't. There's no progress in debate if you just scream at each other till you blue in the face. You don't like none, like not not Nothing improves for anyone. There's like no the, learning. Problem. There's no learning, exactly. Um, so, so this issue of, of, of religion and, and politics in Israel uh, is maybe, maybe the most hotly debated issue in the Jewish world um, this past, this past hundred years. Perhaps. Uh, I think there's an argument that could be made. Uh, I think even today, you know, today they're having elections in Israel uh, in a couple of months. And the same issues that have been present uh, since the founding of the Zionist movement or the modern Zionist movement in the, in the end of the 19th century, those same issues are still in place today. And if you go to the Israeli parliament, you see like, you know, you, I don't know if, if you've been to D.C., so you maybe like go visit the capital and, you know, see it's nice. And, you know, people, you watch on C-SPAN. It's very nice how people, they give lectures and every once in a while someone has a YouTube worthy clip where they start screaming. You go to the Israeli Knesset, you feel like you walk into a zoo, literally. That's right. People are like screaming at each other, they're clawing at each other. There was a great there was a, there was a great video, you need to Google it, where this uh, they had an argument and, and the woman and the one of the Knesset members takes so uh, takes the cup of water and pours it on the guy's head. That happens like in a civilized you know parliament in Israel. <laughs> argument takes the water, pulls it on his head. And uh, anyhow, so um, so that happens a lot. Um, and a lot of the debate has very deep roots. You know, the, the, the state and, and the current composition, um, they're, they're dealing with uh, a variety of issues and, and no more, none more divisive than, than what to do with the neighbors, the Arabs. Um, and these things have very deep roots. So, if you want to understand like what happened, you read stuff about what happens in Israel. I don't know how active we are, uh, or every individual here is about keeping up to date with the issues in Israel. But when you read things and you see such divergent opinions, it's interesting to learn what you know at the roots of what uh, of of what brought about this uh, this state. You see that you know there was really different perspectives from day one. And and I think those those divisions are still in effect today. And it kind of once you analyze it from big picture, you you, you learn more, and you, you you're more uh, you're more educated when it comes to um, Israeli politics in that in, the, in that scene. Did
2: you see Kaiem Potoski's
0: chosen? No, I didn't. You did. Would that interest me?
1: Wow! I read all Potoski's books. <laughs>
0: huh?
1: <laughs> I read all of his books.
0: Huh? books.
2: Yeah, I. I saw the movie, and it's a it's a very interesting movie because Zionism dates back a long, long time ago, uh, and I've seen a lot of history mm-hmm. with, with that back there. But um, and uh, not too many at this table remember Schneerson.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, you remember the Kabbad uh, mm-hmm. with uh, uh, the Rebbe Schneerson. Mm-hmm. Um, he was adamant that Zion will that Israel will not be established until the Moshiach returns. Um but now that it has there they are. <laughs> they said decided as long as Israel's is there, we'll go. And so they're there. Yeah, so
0: we're gonna talk more about the different and it, responses it, it, it to still Zionism. Is mm-hmm. Still an issue. That's that's absolutely correct. Um and I think that's maybe a good place to start, you know. Um and we talked about Zionism and you know the Dreyfus trial and, and how that spurred Herzl to develop this you know, modern idea, but it's actually not a new idea at all. No. You know, uh, the Torah itself, dating back to the, the Torah, thousands of years, the Torah itself outlines this process of exile and redemption and eventually, uh, you know, the Jews coming back from all four corners of the world back to Israel. You know, um, I have a cute little tidbit that I, I discovered Ah, I don't know if I should even discuss it. Oh, what, what, what the heck, right? So um, there's this theory that was um, that was developed or that was discovered. And the accuracy of, of the theory is not something I'm going to vouch for. But um, there's been an, an, an ancient tradition that um, the Torah, well, the Torah makes a lot of predictions, black and white predictions. You open the Torah, you see it says this and it says that. And it makes predictions, very bold predictions uh, often. So, but there's been a tradition that uh, contained within the Torah are uh, basically the blueprint for history. So every, every event that happens, or at least every major event, every major event that affects the Jews is, is foretold in the Torah before it even happens. That's That's been a tradition. Where it is, how to decipher it, is is uh, is you know that 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 part is already up you know up for discussion. Um, so the famous Vilna Gonen, the Gonen Vilna, the genius of Vilna, we mentioned him a few times. So he he um, he was a proponent of this. So they asked him, hey, where in the Torah are you mentioned? You know, mm-hmm, your famous rabbi, uh, very impactful, probably the, the number one figure in you know in 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 the Jewish world in the 18th century. Where does it say you? Where does it say your name? So he says to him, it says he said to him in the end of, of um Aparshus uh in Deuteronomy, it says, Evan It said that Yilcha. It's talking about the laws of having uh, honest measurements. You know, if you're gonna send someone sell someone a pound of bananas uh, and then you have a, a you know a, a cube that equals a pound, you know, don't shave off the corners, make sure it's really a pound. That's what the Torah says. When it's in the Torah, when you have measurements and weights, you gotta have fear measurements and weights. So it says Evan Shleim, which means a perfect stone. But he said that the word Evan is it could, is could a variant of uh, Eliyahu. The first Aleph represents the Eliyahu, which is his name. And then Ben means the son. And Shleimah, which means complete, but also it's the same letter as Shlomo, and his father's name was Shlomo. So that's where it says me in the Torah. Evan Shleimah. Fine. Now, someone did the mathematics and, and realized that the... If you were to count from verse number one of the Torah, and you would, uh, you would basically, uh, you would give one year for per verse in the Torah. So since Adam, since since Adam, so since the Jewish calendar begins, uh, and the first verse corresponds to the first year. If you count up all the verses in the Torah all the way to the end of Kisayt in Deuteronomy, it, it corresponds to the exact year that this rabbi died, nineteen. 19- Uh, 1797. Okay, maybe it's a shock or not. Maybe maybe it's a surprise, I I don't know. But then, they discovered that if you look at, let's say, the date of the first temple being destroyed, and the second temple being destroyed, and all these major cataclysmatic events, you know, positive and negative, that happened to Jewish people, you find that the verses that correspond to the year that those events happened, are often like, eerily um, um, foretelling about, about those events. So I found that the years of 1945 46 47 48 they are that is the verse that we t- that in the Torah where it says that the Jewish people come back to Israel that's the verse I'm like whoa! i have like a spine tingling shot. Like whoa! That's uh, you know. And I found other things like 1939, mysterious stuff. What it says about 1939, like the mysterious verse in all Torah is in 1939 and 1940, 1941. Like it's, you know. Anyhow, that's, that's my little tidbit. Um, so yes, yeah, so the idea of Zionism is a very ancient idea. The Torah itself talks about it. Um, the modern efforts to try to institute a state for Israel is. You know we know that this modern Zionism began in the 1890s but in the eighteen twenty five there was a major effort uh to uh to make a state for the Jews in Grand Island like near Buffalo New York uh, it's pretty cool <laughs> like this little tiny little island that wasn't going to be the state for it. and there were other efforts uh, as well over history I remember the uh, that's one was that, one that I remember so it's not a new idea uh, but uh for today's discussion we're going to talk about um Zionism in its, in its most modern iteration um, with 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 uh, Theodore Herzl and uh, the modern Zionist movement so
3: what, let me just yes what took so long what took so long for the Jews why did it take till the late 19th century for Jews to gosh maybe
0: we should walk to
3: Israel or establish a state I mean, that seems so obvious to me so um, not the Holocaust expedite process?
0: No one would argue that that's uh, not true. Uh, but but the movement predates it by 50 years. Mm-hmm. That's what he's... Well, uh, so
4: Ottomans probably would have objected for part of their
0: territory. No, no, I, but I, I think I think that we overestimate how organized and unified the Jews were and, you know, how practical it was. You know, when you're... You know, the Jews were always yearning for a return to Zion. You know, it's part of the prayer. It's part of the experience. Like, it's, it's been part of, of the Jewish... Framework and consciousness forever. We, you know, like you open up the Jewish prayer book. Half the prayer is about restoration of the Davidic line, and, and 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 sprouting of the redemption, and rebuilding Jerusalem. Like that's the prayers. That's the the, 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 the we talk about the after the, the prayers that come after, uh, after a, after a bread meal, the three prayers, three daily prayers. That's been part of the Jewish psyche for for thousands of years. Really, um, there were efforts in the 13th century, like the Ramban. He made an effort to go there, and that's they established a small Jewish contingency. Um, you can still see today the um, the Ramban synagogue in the old city. You know the four ancient old city synagogues, all subterranean because the Muslim said the camp has to be underground. Muslims, are good friends, you know all Jewish all Jewish uh, houses of prayer had to be underground because, of, because the Muslim center can't be can't, can't be overground. It has to be built like you know like a subway system. So you, there were efforts in the 13th century. The aforementioned Dargona Vilna, he started on a trip uh, to go to Israel. Uh, eventually, he went back. It's a huge debate as to why he set out for the trip and then ultimately um, decided against it and went back. He's like started the journey, but then went back. Uh, contingency of his students, uh, they actually went to Israel. So there were always some Jews in you know the 19th century um, that were in Israel – um, we know that there was a first, there was a first wave, of the, the first wave of Aliyah happened, I think, in the 1880s. So yes, the, I, I think that we underestimate how forgotten, um, I think, on a geopolitical scale, Israel was. So it was close to the Jewish heart, but as a practical matter, it was barren, it was desolate, there was nothing going on there. There was no civilization of any sort, well, not, not, no civilization of any sort, but no massive mass civilization there. There was nothing going on there uh, for, for 2,000 years. It was empty. It was Baron? I read pieces Promised Land.
1: He was here for the for the book fair. Forget his name. But his grandfather was one of those that went over in the eighteen eighties uh, and started all. You know, did you remember the book
0: Promised Land? Uh, yes. So what's Very interesting. Well, we'll get to it today. Um, no, but I, I think when we learn more about, like, let's let's talk about the founding of, of Zionism. So when you see the emergence of Zionism, it it explodes in in popularity um, in the in the 1890s. You know, um, obviously the uh, the you know the you know the dynamic figure is is Theodor Herzl. You know, he's a um, <coughs> assimilated Jew from Vienna. Um, he's really tall, really handsome, He's got a massive. He looks like a hipster. You know, like a massive jet black, you know, beard. Um, And he was um, someone who was, we could say, very distant um, from traditional Jewish values or Jewish knowledge or Jewish learning or Jewish practice. You know, he himself uh, couldn't speak Hebrew. You know, in fact, when he wrote the book in 1897 or 1895, whenever he wrote it, uh, Der Judenstadt, the Jewish state, he proposed that the official language of the state should be German. Uh, he didn't speak Hebrew. Uh, he he himself had a circumcision and a bar mitzvah, but his one son Hans, he gave neither. You know, like, Why? Who, like because that's that that was the state of Jews. He was assimilated Jew. He you know he he didn't he he, he was ignorant in in traditional Jewish manner. Now and that was commonplace, you know, especially a place like Vienna, like this you know. You know this uh, um, elitist kind of you know highbrow Western European you know assimilated Jewish uh, hub. So something. What's, caused,
1: the what's the point? What's the point of going to Israel and, and I mean,
5: so, so, oh, so, so gonna, if like, you don't even care, practice. like if you don't even care in your daily life, why are you going to go build a state somewhere
0: else? So yeah. I, I think when we analyze Herzl, it's it's important for us to realize that even though he started. Even though his kind of from a traditional perspective, he wasn't very Jewish or active in his Jewish, but he was very Jewish, you know. And I think as his plan took off, like he embraced it, you know. Uh, you know, he was adored by Jews everywhere, despite the fact that he, you know, he was an outsider basically. Uh, but he was uh, he was a great visionary, very charismatic, very energetic. Like he invested his life and his his uh, sizable family fortune. And all of his energies into making this dream a reality. Um,
1: Sadly, is that uh, the screwed up. Yeah, well, you got, got to the details. Kind of <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, so it was a little, bit, a it's so somewhat of a tragic uh, uh, epilogue to the story. So, so this guy, Theodore Herzl, he was a journalist, um, and he was actually very bothered by the quote-unquote quote, Jewish problem—the fact that you know we're like an identityless people, you know we're. We're hated basically wherever we are. We're marginalized in every which way, and he proposed as recently as 1890, he proposed mass conversion to Christianity. You know, like just 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 the, you know, who are we dealing with here? Uh, so he had written we have in the in, in, we have his complete diaries that were published, and he he has written uh, as recently as 1890. That uh, the only way for the Jews to be accepted and to not, you know, to not be tormented, and not be persecuted, was that all all uh, young Jews um, have a mass conversion to, uh, to Christianity. He even he even writes about like we're gonna make a parade, and 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 all the princes and all the church members are gonna be there, and it's gonna be a massive ceremony. Like he, means he was he was pompous and you know grandiose in his in his visions for everything. But this was a problem that bothered him, but his solution to the problem you know, varied greatly. You know, so he starts off proposing uh, uh, mass assimilation, and then due to what happened in the Dreyfus trial, i talk about the Dreyfus trial in a second, he says the only solution is not you know, assimilation won't work. The only solution is to build our own state and therefore to, be, uh, uh, to have autonomy over, over our land. That was the idea. So what happened with the Dreyfus trial? Uh, Dry, um, Alfred Dreyfus was a French, uh, a French military captain uh, who was wrongly accused of, of treason, of aiding uh, the Germans, giving, giving them military secrets. Uh, they forged documents, they fabricated evidence. Uh, that part that part's absolutely clear. And in 1895, uh, he was sentenced to life uh, to life in prison. Um, now. What was clear to I mean now what was clear to the people you know so uh, Herzl was a was a reporter uh, and he was a reporter reporting on this massive trial that was going on. you know treason's a big deal and he noted like he saw what was happening. they were parading um, Dreyfus through the street and they were all screaming. Death to the Jews! Death to the Jews! Now remember, in in France, in the end of the nineteenth century, the Jews weren't like the Jews are today. They weren't as dynamic, and as you know, they didn't have a community. It wasn't like that. Um, the in 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 France, the assimilation was such, to such a degree that uh, the rabbis all dressed like priests, the the, dressed like priests. Like priests. Um, the prayer services uh, were held on Sunday. Um, there was like assimilation had had reached you know peak assimilation in in France, yet the anti-Semitism was booming. You know, uh, and and he knows like hey like we are doing all the assimilation, we've reached peak assimilation. Like, there's nothing else for us to assimilate. You know, there was uh, uh, at that time and in the 19th century there were only 500 Jews in France that we would label as Orthodox or observant. That's it. Out of the probably hundreds of thousands of Jews, that's it. Means the the dream of assimilation and being accepted by the greater society um, that was there, and yet we weren't accepted. You know, so Herzl realized that, that this is not this is not going to happen. You know, uh, so he that's where he developed this idea of 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 Zionism. Now, what eventually happened with 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 um, with Dreyfus was that. Uh, there was this great um, uh, Gentile journalist who had written a book. I don't know how to pronounce it in French, but it's like the letter J, which means like I. J'accuse, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Emile Zola. Emile Zola, exactly. So he wrote this book accusing, uh, I guess, going through the evidence and saying he was accusing them of, of mistreating Dreyfus. And eventually they had a retrial and he was reinstated. And, you know, that's the, the, the epilogue to that story. Uh, but this started. Uh, the movement that basically changed the face of, of, of Jewry. Now, I, I like to point out, just as a historical uh, pattern, we find many, many times in history that, you know, redemption or changes in, uh, in the identity of the Jewish people for the positive don't necessarily come from the most likely of sources. You know, the Jews and the rejection of the opposition that we'll see to Zionism, part of it uh, was for the fact that people were questioning, hey, is this really the movement led by these people? These are the people that are going to contribute to the Jews coming back to Israel. Like to them, it was it was just bizarre to see that someone like Herzl, who stood for everything that traditional Jews uh, were were weary of, he was going to be the he's going to be the, the number one pivotal figure that's going to. Usher in this new era of Jews being back in Israel. To them, it was it was it was they were bewildered by that. Is that really possible? You know, I have a great quote. here, that I snapped a picture of instead of reading the book. Uh, let's see if we can find it. Apologize for the uh, here. This is from Rabbi Tzadok Harkoin Rabinowitz, one of the uh, 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 one of the opposers to the Zionist movement. This is a translation. We surely know that if we were believers and truly trusted in the salvation of the Lord and were observers of the commandments of God, we would even today be dwelling in our holy land. Why did the land perish? Because they abandoned my laws, which I put forth that's a quote. That's the quote uh, from the scripture. It has already been made clear that the Zionists reject all the commandments and cleave to every manner of abomination. It may be assumed that if the Zionists gain domination, they will seek to remove from the hearts of Israel belief in God and in the truth of the Torah. They have thrown off their garments of assimilation and put on a cloak of zeal so that they appear zealous in behalf of Judaism. They are in fact digging a mind beneath their faith and seek to lead Israel from beneath the wings of the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence. So this kind of this kind of like underscores, or or the, you know the typifies the the response that a lot of people had to Herzl and his clan uh, um, being kind of these are the people that are going to lead are going to lead the you know the revival of of, of Jewish uh, sovereignty in Israel. Yes. Oh yeah, of course. Um, like in the United States, um, the the simulation was was um, also had reached its peak basically then. Um, assimilation. You know, we talk about, let's say, the Jewish responses to the Enlightenment. Um, so that's really like the 19th century was probably um, in in all of in all of Jewish history was probably the most detrimental in like absolute numbers and you know Jewish people um, disaffiliation from Judaism and kind of rejection rejection of of Jewish identity of Jewish you know culture of Jewish life of Jewish practice. Yeah. Well, not well, not necessarily. I wouldn't say worldwide. I'd say primarily the United States uh, and uh, and in Western Europe. In Eastern Europe, in kind of the what we would call probably the less sophisticated parts of of, of, of the Jewish world, uh, that was less less of a uh, you know, those less of a trend.
6: Yeah. I'm curious about what you described as Herzl's evolution, so to speak, from mass conversion to you know to rejecting that. Mm-hmm. Because I understand your point about uh, the assimilation still seemed to, there was no lack of anti-Semitism with all these, but they were still Jews, and everybody knew they were still Jews. If everybody had
0: converted, if that had actually gone into effect, wouldn't, I mean, where was the fear there Uh, if if it would have been carried out to the degree that you seemed to want to originally? I'm saying... Would second, that have worked second and the third generation, I've seen it many,
4: many times. What's know, that? Second and third generation. No, I understand that time people will forget yeah. your parents were
0: Jewish. Yeah, but yeah, but um right. but the question here, your question is, hey, what would have happened if, if mass assimilation on that scale of conversion right. uh, would have happened? Who knows? I'm saying, you know, Hitler dialed back the clock. He didn't hear if someone converted. No, I understand,
6: but even Hitler, as we all know, the Nuremberg laws had dis- Distinctions between half Jews and
0: Michelangi or whatever, you know. Right, right, but to, but it, to, so. but to him, a, the, he, he was worried about the Jewish soul, irrespective of right. of whether or not they converted. Okay. So who knows what would well, have happened? I was
6: happened. just wondering, did, did Herzl actually analyze it to that? Degree?
0: I don't know. I haven't read. I just I read the quote from his diary. I didn't read the diary itself. I don't know. Like, not such an expert. It's a good question, you know. Uh, but what we see clearly is that he felt. That the efforts of, uh, of you know of, of fixing the Jewish problem, you know, quote unquote, uh, via assimilation was was tried and attempted, and you know what else could you do when you assimilate the entire country of France and well, yet uh, anti-Semitism, you know, was was rampant. Well,
6: that's why I specifically s- distinguished between converge, mass conversion yeah. and assimilation.
0: Listen, but in the nineteenth century, nineteenth century, we have. Uh, a quarter million Jews converted to Christianity. That's a huge deal. You know, today, it's not, it's not, I'm saying, it's still a problem where you have, you know, Christian missionaries, especially in Israel, you right. know, um, but you don't have a quarter of a million Jews converted to, to any other religion. Right. Uh, you have a problem of Jews not being involved or, right. you know, kind of checking out of, right. of of the synagogue and the Jewish life or whatever. That's a much bigger problem. Right. But think about it, a quarter, of 250,000 Jews. That was tried. It wasn't on a, on a on a global scale, but on a massive scale, it was tried. And, you know, what did that bring to the Jews? You know, did it bring the respite that they we were hoping for? I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I think the argument he made that it didn't. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's. I think we can look back and kind of see, yes, you know, he probably realized that, listen, it's not, it's not working. Is it what the Romanian Jews were? No, 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 global, global, but yeah, probably more, more, more than more in Europe because the Jews, you know, the first waves of, 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 of masses of Jews coming to America, uh, was the Russian and the German Jews in, in the 1880s. So it's kind of late, late in the game, but German, I think German, German Jews was hugely popular in German, in, you know, Germany to uh, convert to Christianity and just settle the matter in France, you know, uh. Austria, Belgium, all those places uh, that that was a big, big trend in the 19th century and it didn't work according to itself
4: On an individual level, especially in Eastern Europe, once you've converted this incredible pressure you and your family or environment experience from the militant the 70s is gone. You're done. Just like that. Because now you're Christians that's it. And that's why I said, especially in the second and third generation, that's why uh, Conversion at the time, in modern time, the problem would be economic refugees come to this country or Western Europe because once you move, make it over the hurdle, hurdle you accept it. You're not an outcast
0: but you're not standing out. Yeah, you do see some examples of people that converted to Christianity that kind of made a big, you know, like I think Karl Marx converted to Christianity. Uh, him.
4: converted to communism. Well, well yeah, yeah, I don't think he was Jewish, but I don't, did he ever? I, I think, think he, he got baptized.
0: No, Christian. I think so. Well, pretty sure he, he did.
1: the guy in you Chicago. Know, the uh, Benjamin
0: Benjamin Disraeli, uh, the prime minister of of uh, uh, Britain. Right. of Britain. Yes. Yeah. The guy
1: who died of a brain tumor in Chicago. No, 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 he was, No, no, no. Uh, Bob. Oh, Bob uh, uh, Novak. Bob Novak. Novak he
6: but he was anti-Israel.
0: Yes,
1: anti-Israel. I know. But Israel.
0: Yeah, so yeah, I'm was saying
5: he's right. Christian, considered a Jew, and he was called a Jew by the press
0: mm-hmm. and by commoners. I, I, you know, I think that, you know, especially, you know, at the beginning of, of the Enlightenment period, you know, when the Jewish people uh, are finally afforded the opportunities socially and economically, you know, to actually let their wings soar. Uh, there was a tremendous pressure, to, you know, you, you couldn't make it. They felt probably, you know, in, in the great society, if you still had the label of being a Jew, a Jew. I think, like today in America, the Jew, the Jews are very successful. I think that that pressure it means. I, I think what contributed to the explosion in, uh, in in conversion uh, to Christianity in the in the 19th century was more than just kind of you know not being labeled as a Jew, but also you know for economic and social concerns. Yeah.
1: Plenty of stuff even in my lifetime. I went to Temple University School of Medicine two years before I started. In 1961, they broke the quota. It was 10% per year of Jews before that. Two years after me, it was three quarters. <laughs> but uh, I was one classed about 25% Jewish, but yeah, we had quota for, for years, and some of the med schools were started because the Jews had quota, the one in New York, Flower Fifth, and Chicago College of Medicine, and then osteopathy sort of came out of the blue from the Italians and Jews, it the turn of the so plenty of stuff, people couldn't get jobs, we, in New Jersey, we looked into this area called Lake Mohawk, where a lot of pilots lived. And my wife asked, this was in 1974, my wife asked, uh, where's the nearest synagogue? They said, oh, it's way down, you know. They said, well, you don't have to worry because there's, there's another Jew living in the town. <laughs> and it was started by Germans, it was a Nazi Bund area. You know. <laughs> so,
4: uh, so that stuff happened up, to, you know. When I was growing up, there were whispers that Lenin, the famous Jew, yeah. no, that his grandfather was Jewish. Yeah, he Jew. was one of those who yes. converted. Imagine like that. Mm-hmm. So, the founder of the state. We'll trust Yeah. And, and, and Marx all, obviously
1: was a whole marching. bunch
4: of his yes. cohort. But yes. you cannot have a founder of the state and semi demigod speech. Wasn't there a lot of Jews who converted to Lutheranism? He was one of
1: the worst anti-Semites. Yeah, he was terrible. He was terrible anti-Semites. <laughs> yeah, really like
0: uh, Well, he originally tried to court the Jews. Right. Yeah. Initially, he
1: was very he loved them. Yeah.
5: In the beginning, he was very
1: and they only 10 changed 10 about ten years ago or 20, 15 years ago to the
7: Lutheran Church. Yeah.
0: Uh, that. Anyhow, so um, back to Herzl. So, uh, so, uh, so this, so Herzl, um, the idea spreads like wildfire. So, we already have in 1897, only two years after the Dreyfus trial, we have the first Zionist congress in in, in Basel, and we have this this very um, I can I would say like polar opposites, kind of the mix of of people. That that were the big uh, you know the big movers and shakers not the movers and shakers but the the strength the power behind the movement was basically a mix of people kind of in the Herzl mode uh, or, or mold uh, who were uh, sophisticated elitist you know aristocratic assimilated um, intelligent Jew like the intellig- intelligentsia of, of of Jews that were you know um, you know have this vision of what they call the new Jew you know, how it's, you know, everyone's going to be wearing top hats and they'll be, like, you know, sprawling, like this a like, utopian vision of what this land's going to look like. And, you know, without any shred of, um, you know, of, of, of having kind of the nationalist or the traditional perspective of what it means to return to Zion. And then the other half is the, you know, the simple traditional religious Jews, who, by the way, Herzl called his army of schnorrers. I love that. Schnar is like Yiddish for a beggar. Yeah, that's what that's what Herzl called them. He's you know that's uh, he called his army of schnorrers, which is you know the simple of kind of the you know the Eastern European Jews who they've been you know yearning for such a for such an idea, and they really believed in the heart of hearts that this was kind of the fulfillment of all the prophecies, and they were also you know there. That's what it is, and that's basically I think when you you look at it today, even today, you know the 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 Zionism and. Uh, Israel and what it means to you know what it means to be a citizen of the state and you know what's the mission statement of uh, you know of this of the country. I think it's kind of split still along those lines. You have the you know the idealists and that's the people don't want to give up a little you know small quarter inch of the land and you know you have even the people that say we want the eastern bank as well. We want it all. Like this is we're kind of re uh, you know going back to the you know the the Davidic times and you know this is kind of reestablishing what it what it was and re. Bringing back the goal, the glory of Israel from from yesteryear. Then you have kind of the secular Zionism, which is you know it's about having a state and just having a way to you know like this is our place. Let us govern it like any other country. You know, you know, it doesn't have to be you know you know not you know temper down all that super Jewish thing. And you know you know you know you know that's that. You know, Herzl proposed to have a state in Uganda. Um. He was offered by to him, and that made tons of sense, you know. To him, he threatened to quit the Zionist movement. By the way, in 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 1905, he threatened. He said, "I'm out if we don't." Because to him, this was a fulfillment. It doesn't matter where is it is it in Palestine, is is it in Africa. Who cares? You have a pot of land. Let's go build a state. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know? but that, I think that's the kind of illustrative of the perspective of the secular Zionists. Yeah. let's have a state. You know, it doesn't matter where it is. It's nothing to do with biblical Israel or biblical Palestine or going back to, you know, back to our roots and fulfilling fulfilling all that that we've been praying for. Going back to the Western Wall, maybe building the temple and all that. No, it was about having a state. You know, then that, that was his that was his big deal. And, you know, that kind of understood, I think the kind of the you know the two. Uh, the two forces that existed um within uh within early within it was early zionism primarily secular so i i would say like the leadership was all secular but i think the masses the support that it had amongst the masses the grassroots uh was uh was primarily the traditional the religious the observant um the eastern european you know the uh, army of of Schnars. people from the shtetl from the shtetl exactly now um like you said um uh, Herzl had a, a tragic uh, epilogue. He he dies forty, 40 four years old in nineteen oh four. So I guess I guess he's he to quit earlier. <laughs> okay. Um, his um, he had three kids. Uh, his name the kids were um, Pauline was she was the one who had mental illness and she died. And then his his son Hans converted to Christianity. Uh, but then he actually he came back and but then he committed suicide. Uh, his, his last daughter was killed in the camps and his only grandson, um, who changed his name, whole story behind him. He came to the United States and he found out that his whole family was destroyed. His mother died in the camps and, uh, and he also committed suicide after converting to Christianity. So yes, it's kind of like a very sad and tragic ending. Um, what
1: I read they said the, the, mental illness was on the mother's side.
0: Yeah, and you know his wife, his wife Julie. Um, there are those that even question whether or not she was even Jewish. Uh, there's uh, you know significant evidence that she wasn't even Jewish. You know, Terazola was no big deal. You know. Um, so what happened to her, Oh, she died in she died in nineteen oh seven. She died only a few years so afterwards. Right after him yeah, years. yeah, but they they were also strange. They. Oh, okay. Know, yeah. So, but you know, Herzl at after this first. Zionist Congress in 1897 in in Basel he declared, "I have today, you know, we founded the State of Israel." I don't know when it, he says, "I don't know when it will actually, you know, when it will actually come to fruition." I don't know if it's a five years or fifty years, but uh, I, today I found the State of Israel. So that's what that's what he declared, and actually fifty years and nine months later, uh, the State of Israel was actually founded. So uh, so his impact. Uh, cannot be cannot be under, uh, underestimated, but I think when we, you know when we talk about kind of the roots of the religious tension that exists or that has existed within Israel, I think we, it's, we start from there. You know, um, in opposition to Zionism, the opposition to Zionism was was fierce and also had uh, you know had two different camps. Um, so we talk about Zionism as having basically the secular Zionist camp. And the religious Zionist camp that still exists today, uh, to some degree, uh, the opposition to Zionism also had its two camps. We have the religious opposition to Zionism, and we have the secular uh, a- opposition, or the you know the the reformed and reformed and assimilated Jews, uh, and they had very very fierce opposition uh, to uh, to Zionism. Um, I think it's also important to realize that like. Uh, a pattern that we see again again in Jewish history is that new ideas are always treated very wearily. you know people are jews are very uh, uh, you know don't don't hastily embrace new ideas uh, innovators have a very hard time making inroads uh, in in you know in you know the jewish world you know we, we you know we have this this perspective like hey we've been doing it for a while you know we kind of figured it out you know don't teach us how you know, how things are done and even movements that uh, we could arguably say we're instrumental in saving the Jewish people. I, I think, you know, if, if not for the Hasidic move, movement, the Jewish people look very differently today. Say what you want about them, but uh, that's, you know, they, they preserved uh, the Jewish spirit and unity amongst millions of Jews uh, when, uh, you know, other Jews who didn't have the Hasidic movement, they, they disappeared. Um, yet, when this movement was founded in the 18th century, there was so much controversy about it, and there was so many, uh, you know, public condemnations about them, and you know they were uh, they were pariahified, you know, they were ostracized, you know. There was.
3: What are the primary? What were the primary arguments by
0: Jews against Zionism? So, like this, so like we like we said, um, there's two oppositions. We have on one hand the religious opposition, Zionism, and then we have the assimilated, the reformed, uh, early reformed opposition. Uh, to Zionism, you know, uh, Herzl. Uh, by the way, when he uh, established, when he came up with the idea of the of the of the Zionist Congress, the first kind so they made it in Basel, but he wanted to make it in Munich. But the Jewish or the assimilated Jewish leadership, they put up public protests because they were worried that their loyalty to the state, you know, to Germany, that will be questioned. You know, it's, that that's a nice little cute tidbit, but that kind of um, is a. Uh, you know, as an insight into what the response was. Um uh, 1897, 18, 1897. So, um, you know, um, the reform, early reform, especially, especially in America, but also in, in Europe, they, uh, they divested themselves of any, uh, of any um, yearning to go back to Israel. You know, that was part of the reform platform. I like can I have a quote here, in 1885 in Pittsburgh, the famous Pittsburgh platform under uh, the famous Rabbi Wise, who was the head of Reform Judaism. Uh, so there they came up with these eight bullet points of, of, of what does it mean, like what do we believe as, this is, remember, this is very important to distinguish between Reform today and Reform, uh, early Reform, but uh, uh, this is a direct quote. You can Google it. Uh, it's very uh, eye-opening to see what the Reformed Jews in America were like in 1885. We consider ourselves no longer a nation, but a religious community, and therefore expect neither a return to Palestine nor a sacrificial worship under the sons of Aaron, nor the restoration of any of the laws concerning the Jewish state. So, part of uh, the fabric of, of the early Reform, the assimilated Jews in America and, 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 in, and in Europe was this, um, you know, this, you know, basically a new definition, a redefinition of what it meant to be Jewish, you know. So, uh, like for example, we know that the the um, any references to Jerusalem were taken out of the uh, of the of the Reformed prayer books. Uh, they no longer prayed in Hebrew; they prayed in German. Um, and here you see clearly that that's what they believe. So to them, this new movement of nationhood, you know, of 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 of. of of going back to Israel, and that was in direct conflict with, uh, with, um, with what they believed. In fact, you know, the ironically, the the Reform uh, Jews in America they labeled Zionism as anti-Jewish because it ran in direct contradiction to what they uh, considered as being the tenets of, of Judaism. But but
3: if, but if I'm a if I'm a Jew hundred years ago in Pittsburgh or Baltimore, Cincinnati or Cincinnati or whatever. This is what I'm trying. To do. What do I care? I can't be forced to go to Palestine. What do I care if some other secular Jews in Basel, Switzerland, are coming up with some declaration about?
6: Yeah, Palestine? because Maybe you want to be.
3: They, they re- do I feel like they represent all of Judaism, and then I have to now make a statement about how I don't agree
0: with their? No. Parents? Well, well, remember this. This declaration came 12 years before that convention, but this declaration kind of. Demonstrates why they were opposed to it, you know. So a hundred years ago, um, this was a hugely controversial topic: support of Zionism. So, you know, Zion, any Zionist fervor, any Zionist movement, any Zionist youth activities—all that were banned from from any Reformed Temple.
6: Well, but in specific reference to, to David's question, I mean, maybe they felt, uh, or if you were a Jew at that time, there you would have felt. That, that it was maybe showing a divided loyalty to your home country.
0: Exactly. Right? Exactly. You know they they you know they, it, they, they, that was maybe something to fear. That that uh, accusation
4: was lodged many times against American Jews. So it, it is to this day. It is diverse.
0: to this day. Absolutely. So, so
4: um, the Germans and the Japanese, uh, twenty years after Pittsburgh were obliged to also community to make similar. Similar, similar statements of mm-hmm. with the government.
0: yeah so it was, it was important to note that reform changes too like uh, um the next platform that they had was in Columbus Columbus Ohio in, in 1937 and this is the pull quote that I pulled from from the internet you can read the whole thing very interesting to see like if you contrast them you see like we lo- I always look at the end of the 19th century as Peter assimilation because you know today like you know even 1937 let me read you with a quote here uh, this is from the reform, uh, the for, the official reform movement um, platform of the tenets of, of what they believe. Uh, quote, in the rehabilitation of Palestine, the land hallowed by memories and hopes, we behold the promise of renewed life for many of our brethren. We affirm the obligation of all Jewry to aid in its upbuilding as a Jewish homeland by endeavoring to make it not only a haven for, of, of refugee for the oppressed, but also as a center of Jewish culture and spiritual life, so obviously there couldn't be a more dramatic departure from from the official position of you know forty two years earlier. So, a
4: different faction,
0: I am sorry. Different faction. Sorry, more than that, fifty two years earlier.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, what changed? Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was Hitler, or it's or 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 maybe I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Okay. That's a probably very interesting thing to uh, to discuss. I think
4: it became less. In century, there are many more Jews in Palestine. it became more
0: You know, I think assimilation—you know, just the dream of assimilation—died. You know, it used to be that we mentioned this once before. Like in a Reformed temple in America, you couldn't walk in with a yarmulke. Like, you know, you would you wouldn't be welcomed there. You know, that was the attitude. It was very different. Like we don't we, we don't we don't have that anymore today. It doesn't exist anymore. Uh, you know, and that's just the reality. Like you know, so you see, you see a change like fifty years later, and it's a very, you know, it's a very different tune. So,
3: did it become more realistic, and, and it took off? What well, it did. Of course, it, of ever course, ever, it as did. Part of the British Mandate and the Balfour
0: Declaration. Balfour Declaration in uh, in uh, in um, 1917, the Peel Commission in 1937, the UN Partition Plan in 1947. Yes, it became it became more clear. But you know, even at the you know the throes of the movement. It took a while for the stance to change. You know, even in Houston. You know, in Houston we have two massive Reform temples. You know, they there was a secession based upon this issue in 1944. Um, Emmanuel was founded uh, as a breakaway from Beth Israel. Why over support of of Zionism? Like even even after the declaration, like like it took a while for it. Uh, for it to actually filter, through, filter, you know, filter. Through. That's why it was founded. That's why there's two massive reform temples because of the of the argument as over the support of the, of of Zionism. You would think uh, in 44 that they, they will be. Oh. Yeah,
1: but,
0: yeah, but but it wasn't as revealed. and also, but it was an undoing. T-t-t- you know, the the early reform was very very serious about assimilation. So, um, and there was a long history in that. So, you know, to them, it was a radical departure by saying we support Israel. Like, that ran, ran against 100 years of reform. So, so yeah. Can you give me
1: in one sentence? What is
0: Zionism? Yes, Zionism in one sentence. Zionism is uh, the movement to establish uh, a home for the Jewish people uh, in a country and sovereignty in Israel. That's what it is. Zionism was coined by a guy in 1893 I, I saw his name yesterday in my research I don't remember what it was um you know remember the term Zionism the term Zion is ready right in the scripture um uh, it's part of the prayers we talk about you know Zion it's, it's that that's what the name that was called for uh for you know for Israel so it
4: was not from the movement
0: Oh no.
5: <laughs>
0: okay, so that's 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 an example of of kind of like I would call I would call like secular anti-Zionism, you know, or assimilationist anti-Zionism. And uh, that was one faction that uh that uh, uh rejected Zionism, and the other faction was the was religious uh, religious anti-Zionism. Uh and I would say, like the religious camp was was basically split. You know, originally at at the first convention, there were a lot of very uh, respected uh, uh, rabbinic dignitaries from all across Europe that participated. But I think eventually um, they they were probably worried that the movement was very secular, uh, was somewhat even anti we could say even anti religious, and thus um, many many uh, uh, religious. Leaders, um, uh, you know, uh, I guess they um, they came out as as anti-Zionism, but I, w- I would say that you know many many of the mass we call the masses of the people the street uh, uh, in the in the religious community was probably still overwhelmingly uh, Zionist, but there was still very very strong opposition from the from the religious uh, Jews. Uh, across the world now, why would they oppose it? Hey, it's the fulfillment of the prophecies. Like you would think, you know, we talk about going to Israel, and this is it. This is a movement. Let let you. Know, why did they? Why were they hesitant to jump forward? So number one, we already mentioned, huh? The Messiah. We'll get to that in a second. You know, that's that, that's I think the third element of it. The first element we mentioned already is hey, you know, the the movement was led by people that were anti religious or very secular. Uh, that was one thing that they were worried about. Uh, additionally, there was a fear that Zionism would eventually replace um, Torah and observance of the mitzvahs as being what defines someone as being Jewish. You know, uh, if we could kind of fulfill like our spiritual need by supporting the land uh, to the detriment of uh, of everything else that it means to be Jewish. You know, used, you know, the rabbis say, "Hey, listen, you know, to be Jewish means to first and foremost." You know to to be observed to the Torah to you know the Torah kind of outlines uh the mission statement of a Jew uh now Zionism is come they fear that Zionism is going to come around and that will replace uh the traditional perspective of what's important uh as a Jew and uh, you know and I, I think that you know the, these, these that concern was not unfounded you know we look at many of the founders of almost all of the founders of the actual state you know. Uh, were in their youth observant and kind of dropped observance of the law in favor of, of, of exclusivity in their Zionistic um, uh, 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 goals and you know activities you know uh, That's number one. I, I looked at today I, I last night I was uh, looking at the famous Pew research poll. do you guys hear about that that they did you know maybe uh, two years ago the, you know, that was basically the biggest, Research that was done in, into American Jewry um, in a long time. So I looked at the number of Jews. Um, you know, what do what do Jews, especially young Jews, what do they say is essential to being Jewish? You know, so I found that double the number that said, "quote observance of Jewish law," said Terran for Israel. You know, mm-hmm. said Terran for Israel. So I, I, I think we could argue that yes, this you know uh, the uh, Zionism did, to a certain extent, uh, probably for some people, uh, replace um, the traditional perspective of what's essential to be Jewish. Who knows? In the early parts of the state, there was forced secular secularization of immigrants. This is uh, one of the sad uh, the sad episodes in, in Israel's early history, where they would bring in many immigrants, especially from from you know from the eastern uh, part, you know, Arabian. World and they would put them in these internment camps and they you know like the, the Yemenite Jews and you know the Jews from uh, from from Iran and and uh, and Iraq and North Africa those Jews they came and they were very traditional and they said hey listen this is this is Israel you know you don't need that everyone's Jewish you, you don't need you know you don't need that anymore you can leave that behind you know that was that was a, a you know kind of a one of the black eyes. Of 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 the early early statehood, uh, which kind of demonstrates that that was that was a thing, you know, where Zionism and living in Israel and being in a Jewish state, well, you don't need uh, anything else. Uh, and lastly, this culture—the well, details are uh, you know are somewhat uh, uh, probably different in each individual case, but uh, what's absolutely clear. Was that uh, many, many, probably thousands of immigrants were told in these camps? Now you're in Israel. You don't need to have. You don't need Shabbos. You don't need this. You don't need that. The the, the Yemenites they had very traditional, uh, very Jewish-looking uh, um, clothing, and very traditional like they had these very big pates that they used to have, like these pearly, like long, straight, thin paste Like there's episodes of them being cut off. like, Hey, you don't need that anymore. Here, where in Israel, everyone's Jewish. You can, you know, just. Let it go. Centrality of Jew, and this, 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 you know, the Jewish culture of the new Jew was somewhat, uh, you know, you would be wary if you really have a traditional perspective of what it means to be Jewish. So the
6: concern that the uh, religious anti-Zionists had was kind of, uh, you know, they had reason. Hey, well, uh, oh, they yeah, say,
0: oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah means, and, and, and ironically both the secular and the religious opposition to Zionism had a lot to be worried about a lot to worry about you know if you want to maintain your perspective of what it means to be Jewish Zionism was going to change that one way or the other either it's going to make you uh, give give Judaism the nationalistic element that the reform movement was against or it was going to give Jew, or it was going give uh, the uh, the Jewish people the nationalistic element that the religious Jews were feared were, were fearful of because that would replace other other elements of what it means to be Jewish. Politics makes strange men. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> um, now, what happened once the state was founded? So this is this is very important. Despite the fact that there was opposition to Zionism from these very polar opposite uh, camps in the Jewish world, it seems clear that once the state was founded, everyone was on board. Oh, almost everyone was on board. Um, once the state was founded, I think it was very pragmatic to realize that this is a thing and this is not going away. And uh, the trend and the uh, the mobility that uh, that the state had at the beginning, I think was it was supported across the, across the board from the religious side and from the and from the secular side. Everyone got on board. You know, I think you ask people today, uh, Jews, Jews almost universally support and adore the state of Israel. I think there's a problem. You know, on a side note here with some young Jews today. You know, young Jews that feel compelled, you know, to be open-minded, and feel compelled to, you know, to always call into question, you know, what the, what Israel does. Uh, you know, and and that's because they don't want to sound like they're one-sided. You know, they don't want to sound like they're not being fair. But my perspective on this matter is, hey, listen. You know, in the words of uh, Michael Corleone, you know, you don't grow against family. You don't go against whatever. You don't. You know. So to me. Yes, is Israel perfect? No, you know. Is their treatment of of their neighbors perfect? No. Is it, treat- but it's still family, you know. We're going to support family against uh, our family's enemies, you know, irrespective. You know, and and the truth is, if you just do the sum total of everything, we treat uh, the Arabs better than the Arabs themselves treat themselves, you know.
6: Well, to me, that's
0: what it's not. Uh, I mean, I think the family argument has some merit too, from uh, a I, well, I think it's I two know, arguments. Nostalgic praise,
6: but, but there's merit, I think, in
0: comparative... And I think there's legitimacy to say, to question if everything that Israel does is just, but no. not to support the enemy. That's my point. Right. You okay. have to support, support Israel, even though, even though you know that your family members are like, eh, a little bit cuckoo,
6: there's <laughs> something
0: eh, 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 wrong with them. Still, you support them. Uh, when you know when they're when they're faced, you know, with you know, uh, enemies that you know that threatened in her existence, etc. Uh,
3: just relating, just to get back to the founding. Yeah, to into the current politics. Um, was Israel founded as a socialist, collectivist state, and, and if so, why? Uh,
0: well, I think that that was all the rage. I think we look at we look at what ha- what exists today. Um the, the idealism that was behind the communist movement is something which is bizarre to us. Like now we have a hundred years of experience. We realized it doesn't work and that's it, we moved on. Um, but that was huge. The, the Jews were all over this uh, the, the the utopian uh, socialist dream. Um in, in, in the Soviet Union we know the you know social, social democratic yeah, it was a democracy from, from day one, but 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 who won all the votes? But, you know. But officially, I mean, that's an interesting question. I mean,
6: is is there anything? I don't claim to know anything about the Israel constitution or anything. Was
0: it doesn't have a constitution? That's right. Okay. It has it has, it has yeah, it has it has what's called they have basic laws which.
6: A well, okay, so whatever the law, but the, the laws, is it codified somewhere that they're
0: supposed to be a socialist state? Uh, yeah, uh, no, but if you look at the, the way of life and the laws that existed in the early, in the early times of the state, you know, they had uh, state-mandated laws that us in America would label as as socialism, you know, curtailing of, uh, of, of kind of the freedom of, of you know, so... I think it was also a practical matter. We I mean, look, we look. It's, it was an idealist, half idealistic and half practical, because they had very limited resources, and they were, you know, basically at constant war for the first twenty, thirty years of. And they still are today,
5: really. But here's an interesting to we'll go back to the lack of constitution and founding.
4: This was there like any some codification of separation of, uh, of
0: states. So we'll talk about we we'll, we'll talk about what about about the the you know cause, um, Say what you want about Ben Gurion. He was a very pragmatic leader. He was very shrewd, and he was willing to compromise uh, with all the camps basically involved. You know, despite like, for example, at the first election, uh, Ben Gurion's uh, socialist or left-leaning party, called Ma'Pam, they won an overwhelming majority. So they could have. They didn't need to have a coalition government. They didn't have a unity government, but. He realized that uh, you know, he wanted to coalesce as much support as, as he could. You know, this is a fledgling state. The existence and the, um, uh, the, 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 the continuity of the state was, was always in doubt for the first 20, 30 years. You know? um, it was a miracle that they won the first war. You know? the, just the fact that they lasted th- throughout the first war with the ragtag army against five mighty imposing arm, you know, enemies, that itself is, is a miracle but he realized um that you want to have as broad a uh, support base as possible so he always included uh the religious parties and all the various different elements into the national dialogue and he included them in the part in the, the uh, unity governments and you know he worked really hard to make sure that there was not going to be internal strife and in civil war because that, that 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 was a real possibility at the formation of the state I'm sorry I'm Wait, well it, Irgun maybe not because he he couldn't stand Irgun you know he <laughs> oh yeah he yeah so uh, well eventually that changed you know um, uh, Bechin was uh, was allowed to the part it was yeah another example in nineteen in June June uh, nineteen sixty seven on the doorsteps of the Six Day War the president uh, the, the the prime minister Lavia Stroll, who was a disciple basically of of Ben Gurion he made a unity government. You know, he brought in all the all the parties because when your very existence is threatened, I think, you know, you get very pragmatic, you know. You, you know, you start, you want to make sure that everyone's on board, everyone's united. And I, I think that was a, very important to ben And You know, it's to his credit that, you know, that, that you know, there wasn't any massive dissent and there wasn't any civil war. Sometimes i wish the
5: United States still- government had,
0: We we cease to work together. Yeah. I, but so, I do think I do think in times of crisis we do kind of rally together. Yeah. Yes. For more for, you know, more or
3: less.
5: I like the idea of unity governance. I mean I understand there's problems there, but, but I like the working mm-hmm. together because if Israel had not worked together and had this unity government, I don't think they
0: would have survived. Probably not. I, I, would, I would tend to agree with that. <laughs> okay, so, um, but back to the point that someone brought, I remember who brought the point, um, there are still, till this day, uh, certain segments of, I would say, the religious anti-Zionism that are very, very, very strong. Um, first and foremost, I would you, someone mentioned the Lubavitch, uh, the Schneerson, um, the Satmers, they, this is their thing anti-Zionism. Um, there's pockets of them in Israel, but there's a huge contingency of it in the United States. Like They don't recognize the state. They don't vote. There's, every every time there's a voting cycle, there's massive, massive signs posted all over the country that's prohibited to vote, it's against the Torah law. You can't vote, you can't participate, you can't take any government Are funding, nothing. a movement,
6: that, that orthodox movement, that supports, like, uh,
0: so, so yes, yeah, so there's, in that group, which in itself is kind of a fringe group, even though it's very large. Don't and, and, and underestimate how big it is. There is there is a radical group that what's called the New Tura Karta, It's like a hundred people, but they like they negotiate with Arafat, and they you know they were on Arafat's parliament. He had like a few like these considered Jews, I like, call them Jews. I you know, I don't know how you how you could how you could fraternize with uh, with someone who you know who slaughtered Jews by you know by the you know by the thousands. You know, how did you go? There's this picture on, on the internet of these these guys that look like they're really pious Jews with big beards and big payas and, and big hats, and and they're going to Ahmadinejad and they're kissing him and they're hugging him and, they're, and they and I, I That you said that's a radical, radical element, and you know even even in the extreme anti-Zionist camp, they're ostracized because. You know, I, I think that they're taking like this, their, their religious reasons for opposition of the state, taking it too far, you know, of course. You know, why would you ever want to befriend people that want to slaughter millions of Jews? It doesn't make any sense. But that, that's a very small group, but of course they get a lot of attention, you know. Uh, but the rationale for this group, uh, it, opposition of the state, and even to this day, um, like I remember when I was in, I was in, in Israel, I was in yeshiva, um, so our yeshiva was on the literally on, on the plaza of the koto on the plaza like you walk out on the uh, you know the terrace and you see the western Wall, right there like uh, we, to our yeshiva buildings took up forty five percent of the plaza uh, of the plaza basically uh, so we used to always have like these these people from the satmers they would always come and they would come to our balcony and to pray by the because they, would, they wouldn 't go to the kotel. Never go to the hotel because the hotel it has an Israeli flag, because it has an Israeli flag, we don't go there, and they never ever go there. So if they want to go see, like, you know, they go visit the temple, temple runes, so to speak, they would come and they would, you know, come sit down and, you know, pray or whatever. Uh, so yeah, so the, that still exists. You know, they quote this um, the Talmud in tractate Subos, it says there's a very short, short little snippet of Talmud that is hugely debated. Uh, because the Talmud says that there's um, there's three oaths it quotes a verse in the song of songs three oaths that uh, are placed on the Jews. oh placed upon the world two of them are the Jews and one of the gentiles um, number 1 that they shouldn't go to Israel as a wall what I mean they shouldn't go forcefully they shouldn't try to capture Israel forcefully number 1 number 2 they shouldn't rebel against their against their host nations Number three, that the on the Gentiles, they shouldn't oppress the Jews that much. The they shouldn't oppress... Well, the second one... Well, number one, they shouldn't forcefully try to acquire the land of Israel. Number two, they shouldn't rebel against their host nations. Number three, that the on the host nations, on that the, the Gentiles shouldn't mistreat the Jews that much. That's what it says. Just the right amount. Just the right amount, exactly. Yeah. So... Um, so this, the 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 perspective on this is that they take it as a prohibition to establish a state in Mosque. So like bringing lots of people come like to, 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 that's the source. Books and scholarship is written debating this topic. What does it really mean? You know, does it mean not to establish a state? Does it mean not to try to usher in the messianic era? Uh, you know, too, too, too you know too strongly too forcefully. This is a huge, huge, uh, It's, uh, very interesting. You know, the Satmar Rebbe, he wrote a whole book, like a thick book, only about his perspective on these, like, four lines of Talmud. Uh, so, so that's, so that's that even to this day, they're very much anti-Zionism. You see, like, if you, like, go to certain parts of Jerusalem, you see, like, Zionists are not Jews. Jews are not Zionists. You know, (laughs) they, uh, they take these, uh, this matter very seriously. Uh, but they're the exception, I would say, um, Uh, the overwhelming majority of religious Jews, and like we said, also the non- or the the is or the reform, uh, that changed, and they are fully embracing of Israel. Uh, I would say, I would call the religious embracing, well, not the religious Zionism, the religious embracing of the state is more of like, uh, more like, I would say, a hopeful uh, or pragmatic embracing, you know, is this a fulfillment of the prophecies, or is it not? It perhaps could be. Maybe it will be. Maybe it won't be. It's kind of like hopeful and pragmatic. That let's embrace the state, let's participate, let's vote, let's let let's be part of the national dialogue. Uh, but always be wary that you know there's a lot of of, of headwinds that we face uh, in in actually making this work. And as to whether or not this uh, this um, the state is going to be part of the the prophecies, the messianic, um, uh, uh, um, the messianic uh, plan and process. That's that's uncertain. That's that's that that's been uh, that's up for debate. and Who knows, you know? Like um, in our shul in uh, uh, in uh, in Southwest Houston. So we have we say a prayer for the state every Shabbat. They say three prayers right? Right after they after the Torah. They have one prayer for this for the you know, for the United States, you know, it's a prayer that, uh, you know, for the elected officials, the president, the vice president, whatever. Um, then there's another prayer that they say for the state of Israel. So like the officials and the governments and whatever. And there's a third uh, there's a third prayer that was said for for the soldiers of Israel. Protect them, give them strength, give them whatever. Uh, within, I would say, like the religious... Um, community, you have the religious Zionists, and those are the people that would, let's say, say Hallel and make Yom HaSumut into a holiday. It's like a Jewish holiday. This is a day that, you know, it's a Jewish holiday. Um, there are those that, you know, that those are the original, what we call re- religious Zionists. Then you'll have what I call, I call the pragmatic or the hopeful Zionists, uh, the people that, yes, we embrace the state, but we're hoping that, it, we're, not, we're not certain that this is a fulfillment of any of the prophecies, but we're hopeful that maybe it will be. Um, so that particular prayer, that's a prayer for the state of the Israel. So it starts off uh, with, uh, bless the state of Israel. Smichat The beginning of the development of our redemption. Those are the most controversial words, because the, the I think the author, the author is one of the chief rabbis of Israel. That's what I think. Who 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 wrote it? So you know, he uh, as a religious Zionist took the stand that it's uh, this is the uh, the the fermenting of this uh, uh, the redemption, the ultimate redemption that that we've been talking about and we've been praying for. That's what that's this, and the other ones who want to temper it a little bit. They say Hey, racist be it should be the beginning of the fermenting of our of our redemption. We now we hope it will be. You know that's kind of like the the the, the difference. It's kind of like a you know semantic uh, difference. You know what exactly is the religious perspective on 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 the state? And I'm
1: sorry, in, Jonathan. In, uh, in right now, that's anti-Zionist. Large what? Enclave. Oh. And, and suburb or something like that up there. A whole group that's anti Zionist Jewish people. What
2: well,
0: where? Where? Boston. Boston? Yeah, in Boston. There's Jews in Boston. Yeah. Well, of course. A Jewish <laughs>
2: girl from Boston told me there was also another section up there that believes they should have as many babies as possible to replace the Holocaust lost. The lost people
0: in the Holocaust. <laughs> I'm not I'm not familiar about uh about uh, that <laughs>
3: section <laughs> So sixty years in, is it over? Oh, uh, absolutely I mean, not. I understand. There's a, there's some people there that don't believe in Zionism, but I mean, sixty years in of the founding,
0: I I think what's clearly settled. I you know, my grandfather wrote a wonderful art. I couldn't find it. I was looking for it over the whole shop. I couldn't find this article. I knew I've seen it. I know that where the page it starts. I just but he wrote so much. I don't know which book it's in, but I wrote this great article about like his perspective on the state. And he said, listen, you know, he gives examples. He says "He says that many times in history, when well, he quotes the Talmud, the Talmud says that someone cannot be successful in their study unless they fail first. He quotes the Talmud. So a teacher cannot teach properly, won't teach the proper law, unless you stumble a little bit on the onset. You know? So he takes that and develops the idea that in history, uh, great ideas, they don't necessarily have the smoothest beginning, you know? So he says, listen, you look at the state now. I don't know what that can, what year he wrote it. You look at the state now, and you ask yourself, okay, is this really the fulfillment of the prophecies? It doesn't look like it. Uh, the Jewish law is not in place. Um, you know, it's 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 trying to be... I don't know when he wrote it, but, uh, it's because it's changing, but... He's trying to be a very secular state. You know, it's a secular state with secular laws, and you know, you'd go to Tel Aviv on Shabbat, and it looks like any other day. Like, is what the biggest city in Israel? Like, where's where's Shabbat? Like, where, where, this is Jewish. This is it. Is this really what it is? But he kind of says, "Listen." He's basically intimating that it is it, but it's not starting off smooth. It takes a while. It's a while to iron out the, uh, you know. It, and, and I do believe that it's becoming more progressively uh, Jewish. Like, for example, there's a law right now being debated in the Knesset, um, which uh, is very controversial because blue. Well, you, well, there's that there's that part of the law. I don't, know, I don't know if it's the same law or not, but it's a law declaring Israel as a Jewish state. It's eliminating Arabic as an official language. It's only Hebrew. It's a Jewish state. You know, we can't have just Hebrew. Uh, it's it's, uh, it's it talks about uh, as inspiration for Israeli law, the Torah. You know, so there's there are even legislative efforts to kind of slowly move the dial at making Israel more Jewish in the traditional perspective. Okay, but for those Jews that are anti-Zionist today in 2015, well, which
3: Jews? Some of the ones
0: that the Sambers. Yeah, okay. What about so them?
3: So for them, that the, I mean, as a tiny,
0: the to them, like this is, the, is their rallying cry. Of, this is this is what they believe you know they uh, they say that the yeshivas yeshivas shouldn't take any money from the government so, um, the government in the 70s started the practice of of treating the yeshivas as uh, Institutes of higher scholarship therefore they're eligible to get you know to receive support from the government financial like like any college or university um, so throughout you know for the past 40 years basically uh, more or less there's been support uh, of of the yeshivas from the government, so this group they say our schools don't take a shekel from the government. We don't want nothing. And I saw when I was groveling yesterday, I saw this other yeshiva. They uh, they decided, or they had a big meeting, a big celebration. They decided we're not taking any money from the government. You know, it's still an issue. Um, is it significant? Yes. Is it a majority? Absolutely not. And I think the trend is moving uh, very clearly uh, in the direction of Israel becoming more, more, much more, much closer to. You, know, you look at N- N- Netanyahu when he speaks. yeah, You go to his YouTube channel. I might have mentioned this last time uh, or in recent time. You look you, Netanyahu's YouTube channel. So whenever he speaks, there's always like Talmud behind him and Jewish sports behind him. You know, uh, Shimon Peres when he speaks to the U- U- United Nations, he put on this massive yamatra. You see, like, a picture. It it looks like he got, like, four sizes too big. You know, that would have never happened 50, 60 years ago. Would have never happened. You know, it it, it didn't happen like that. 39 out of the 120 Knesset members are personally observant. It's a huge number. It's a huge number. Um, We'll talk a little bit about the yeshiva world and the yeshiva army, that debate. Um, When the original status quo law, as it's called, status quo. Uh, that Ben Gurion uh, agreed with, like I said, as uh, you know, in, in his political savvy, agreed to allow the yeshiva students uh, temporary exemptions from army service. There were four hundred students in the entire Israel, entire state of Israel. There were four hundred students that were in uh, that were in the category called Torah To', which means that they study Torah full time. 400 students. In 2005, that number was 41,000 students. So, well, you could argue, well, the entire population increased by a factor of 10 as well. But the um, the percentage of those that are engaged in Torah study full-time increased by a factor of, of 100. Is it because of the national growth or new people? Come to new it's both. It's both. <laughs> it's, it's, it's both, you know, a higher birth rate, uh, uh, influx, um, of 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 immigrants, so yes, there's a lot. Of, serve in the, in the army. Well, yes, you have fraud in every. Yeah, there are there is fraud everywhere, you know. But I'll tell you an example. Like my my father, my father when he my father's my grandfather had a yeshiva. Uh, my father was he was 18, he wasn't he wasn't into yeshiva. So he said, "My grandfather he said, listen, you know, can I uh, sign up to your yeshiva and uh, you know avoid army service?'" My father, my grandfather said, "Absolutely not." So my father went to yeshiva. Well, went to the army at 18, you know, because if you're not in yeshiva, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have the exemption of being a Torah student, you know. A Torah student went to the army, went for four years in the army, you know. Uh, when he he had my brother was born in uh, my old uh, my my second oldest brother was born in 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 New York. He was born like over Passover, but my mother was a few like a few days late with her. Uh, You know, with her, with her, whatever, having the baby. So my father had to fly back. You know, so he was there for Passover, but he missed the birth and the bris of his own son because he was in the army. And he was only allowed to take three weeks off or whatever. He missed it. What are you going to do? He missed it. You know, he was, because he went to the army and he had two kids, but he was in the army. And, you know, that's, I think that, I think for sure we should agree that if there's going to be an exemption for yeshiva students, it has to be done in a way that there's no fraud. If someone's in yeshiva, they are exempt. And if someone's not yeshiva or not yeshiva full time, they should grow the army. Uh, we'll get that in a second. But I, I think that you look at those numbers uh, with, uh, and, I, I, you know, depending on which kind of uh, system of uh, demographics or that you want to examine, in anything, any any way you're going to examine, we, we could clearly deduce that Israel is becoming more and more, clo- much closer, still far away, I would say. Much closer to what the traditional dream of reestablishing a Jewish, Jewish, and the the, the stretches of the Jewish, uh, state in in Israel.
3: How significant is the um, quote unquote peace movement in Israel, and what exactly does that mean? I mean, there used to be marches and things, in, uh, yeah,
0: I'm it's the it's, it's, using... it's the far left. We call it the yes. far left. Um, it's very small, very small. Like uh, there's an election upcoming is that in March.
4: They, if it's, the, if it's,
0: Mm-hmm. Second, third, into you know, is, um, mm-hmm. but it's. I, I think that the you know the politics in Israel just had a massive shift. You know, it took uh, about thirty years before there was a government in Israel that had a right wing, uh, a right wing government. Begin in nineteen seventy seven, and he shocked the world. Everyone thought he was going to lose. He shocked the world. But since then, you have basically. Uh, uh, the Likud, as being the dominant, you know, since the 80s. You know, with, obviously you have, uh, you know, uh, you have some exceptions. You have, of course, you have uh, Barak in the 90s. Uh, you have Perez and uh, Rabin. And then they had, in the 80s, they had the unity governments. They, they, they did both. They did two years you, two years you. That was kind of nice. What about Omar? Sharon. Well, Sharon, Char- yeah, he split from Likud to found Kadima. And Olmert, almost also leaked. Has she ever been Prime Minister? No, she's never been Prime minister. Prime minister. She's been Foreign Minister. She hasn't been Prime Minister. And she won't be this time either. <laughs> uh it's pretty clear that there is mo- more than the majority needed on the what quote unquote right wing. I'm sorry, I know I you 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 were before everyone. I, I know I noticed that. <laughs> I didn't forget about you, Janet, I promise. Um but uh, yes, yeah, so the so the trend has moved. Uh I think Meretz. Meretz is the is the party that's that's uh, always identified with the far left, I think they're projected to get four seats, which is about like you know, 3% of the parliament. So it's very small.
5: You kind of danced around my question, but um, Benjamin Netanyahu, I think, wants to have as part of his uh, negotiating platform that Israel is a Jewish state. He wants that to be...
0: Yeah. Do you think that is a good plan? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, he has a few good ideas. I think, like, uh, for example, any peace agreement should be agreed upon by national referendum. It's a very good idea. You know, you make, you'd make a, dr- a drastic step. and It has to be agreed upon. And listen, you know, if the Palestinians don't want to accept Israel as a Jewish state, why are we negotiating with them? Like, who is the position? Like, who has the leverage? You know, the Israelis realize that they have leverage, you know. They have a booming economy, or at least comparatively, you know, they have a modern economy and they have a state and they have autonomy, you know. So the longer they drag their feet, I think, the better they better off they are. You know, I don't think the Palestinians will ever get as good of an offer as they got in two thousand. Is, is uh, From Barack, I don't yeah. I've heard about this
6: thing Janet's talking about, about this proposal to make Israel a age. Is there any doubt?
0: That it's a well, law? officially put it in no, the law. That's no, the point. Now it has
5: to do with where it's going in the future, which is ultimately the president. Okay. That All has right. to well, be addressed. but okay.
6: I, I don't think declaring it a Jewish state is going to make Abbas any more receptive to the right of return or, or his view. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. That's he gonna... comes Yeah, but
0: he he doesn't he doesn't have what have exactly what is he offering? In which think Imagine this was like a any negotiation, like. He has zero leverage, really. His only leverage is public opinion, world public opinion. That's the Talking only thing he's got. Abbas, Abbas, yes, the Palestinians. Oh, but, That's all they have.
6: Yeah, but making it. A, what is he going to just say? Well, if they make it a Jewish day, quote unquote, he's going to just say to his flock, "Well, now they're a Jewish day. We got no
0: choice." Well, flock. or or when you have seen anything. in the past fifty years courageous uh, Muslim leaders like Sadat, yeah, but that
6: was done, Sadat and he got shot for, for it, but. Yeah. Sadat was
0: done before anybody declared a Jewish state. So, oh, no. I think it was implicit in in, in the declaration of Israel that it's a Jewish state. Well, that's my whole
6: point. So, so yes. To me, this is superfluous.
0: That's, that's, that's right, but, you know, I... I
1: don't think
0: it's superfluous at all. Nice. Okay. Argue it okay. out.
5: All right. well, I, don't, I don't think it's bad. I, I don't <laughs> think, I think it, it matters that much. It declared a Jewish state on the world stage And explicitly have it and out explicitly there. Explicitly have it out
0: there. I, I agree. And I also think that probably well oh, this is a possibly. Possibly he realizes that Israel is probably going to be better off without an agreement. Possibly.
4: Without an
6: agreement with the
1: Palestinians. Without
0: yes. an agreement? Possibly. So, so how, how bad is it? Why Possibly. Do think, why do you think that? Because, um, well, think think about it on, on. Uh, uh, think about it on, you know, on the terms of what do they stand to gain? What does is Israel stand to gain? What do they stand to lo- to lose? If they Just have to think about they it.
6: Give up things that are
0: needed for their. If they give up, or- if they give up, he can't give up to Jerusalem. Right. You know. So so if they ever actually get to a real negotiating then table. Um. The Palestinians and the Jews will never agree in this issue. Well, it will never happen. You cannot negotiate that. What
6: about what was offered supposedly that Arafat turned
0: down uh, in the um, yeah the, the whole, whole, during the
6: Clinton
0: yeah Camp David records. Um, well, yeah, Camp David too, the, right? Yes. Not the original, but, yeah. but he offered but, half uh, uh, okay, of Jerusalem. Exactly. He offered it, and that's and ninety-seven percent, ninety-seven percent of of the West Bank with with right. equal land Arefad swaps. Arafat rejected it. A, mm. a, a a connection between Gaza and, and and the West Bank, the best offer he'll ever get, right. and they rejected it. Because ultimately, the charter of the Palestinians declares clearly, plain-facedly, that the only thing that they're going to accept is all of Palestine right. I and so all of Israel, and they'll know. never be able to coexist when, with it. When we, they talk about occupied territory, sense. they're, they're talking about Israel. Everything exactly. They're thinking everything so is occupied I, do territory. I think I don't think that any that any agreement will ever happen, but I think it it helps uh, the negotiation of the of the Israelis by declaring, as they justly should declare, that this is a Jewish state. And if that is something that they cannot accept, the Palestinians, okay, no deal. You know, one of the
2: rules of war is you never give up conquered land.
0: You know.
5: Amen.
2: And now they're, yeah. now they're paying for it. Yeah, now they're paying for yeah, it. it. Uh, you know, all this given land for peace and so forth will never
5: work. Well, and it's just so Oh, that's a nice argument. told an <laughs> to just drive everybody out, kill the ball, and be done with it. And they didn't, and we still pay. Yeah. But whatever. Like, I'm... So I'm really ready to I I'm... Whatever. Like, <laughs> well, I'm very... But I, you know, it's one of those things. It's, you know, my... My thoughts—I have a tendency to be kind of all over the board. I think this discussion has made me realize exactly how much of a religious Zionist I am, and it irritates me. Like, I, it, it, like it doesn't irritate me to be a religious Zionist. The Palestinians irritate me. I would like them all gone. Like, I would like them all gone. I would like—I would crank it all the way back. I would find a way, I would would—I would make it line up with Torah. Like the idea that Israel doesn't have a constitution. WTF. It's called the Torah. You, like, well I'm but saying, that, but this is
0: me. So you this probably I'm, clearly played, I'm saying but that is a it. that is a very, very popular sentiment in Israel. Yeah. That's basically the platform of of Baite Udi. Yeah. Which is gonna be the second or third largest uh contingency. That's uh, Naftali Bennett. Yeah. You know, that you know, and that's what he says. Listen, this is our land. You know, yep. it's been our land and, and you know
5: honestly, well, and I and I'm and this this is a very from a contemporary mindset, this is very bloody and barbaric, but this is what it is. Like, we should have been done this long ago. Like, if we didn't mess around since the beginning of time, we wouldn't still have these Listen, problems. We can't kill everybody, I know, but... I, <laughs> like,
0: I, 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 I do <laughs> believe that someone someone <laughs> like Ben Gurion, <laughs> I'm
5: sorry. I think someone
0: like Ben Gurion would have probably made decisions, um, you know, more decisive... Decisions, but like in the 67 war. That, that, that was the opportunity. Yeah. The best opportunity was in 67. 67, everyone, all the Arabs fled across the Jordan. The week after, they had set up what they did is they set up basically army posts all across the Jordan River uh-huh. and they said, anyone comes over we shoot them. Yeah. And then Moshe Dayan said that's not uh, humanitarian. Moshe Dayan was a
2: great military leader but a lousy Jew.
0: Yeah, yeah, well... He, uh, he, you know, but he to he, he said, yeah. you know, the first thing that, that they did after they captured uh, the old city, hours after they captured the old city, uh, Moshe Dayan gave control over of Temple Mount yes. to the Muslim walks. I don't know why. That's what he I did. I don't know why. You yeah, know? they
2: were ready to tear down the Dome of the Rock and everything
1: else.
5: I remember
2: a that. Mark, honey, I
5: guess I don't know. Like, I don't have enough, it's one of those things, like, I am much more in the level of, um, kind of religious and emotional opinion. I don't know enough about the history to have a rational, scholarly opinion. I don't know enough about the people in the history, but, but I know where my gut is. You know, and that's when you get these fiery responses from me, because that's, yeah, that's where my gut is, but whatever, Yeah.
4: Well, oh, your gut is exactly in the same place where German guts was in the right? Yeah. We just killed no, not use no, machine no, 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 I don't want people
5: dead. Like, I really don't want people dead. Like, I'm like, I
2: know it sounds Even that way. We well, just get tired of having the same
5: old, you know, like, nobody wants death. But what are they going to do? Like, they're not leaving and, yeah, I don't know. There is no answer.
0: And this and this is a hugely contentious issue that's been around for a long, long time. So
3: the experience most recently, right, uh, Lebanon especially, right, I mean, this is not the same Israeli defense force since '67. 70. Oh,
0: no, they're the juggernauts. They're the juggernauts.
3: No, I, I oh, yeah. Agree. I don't think they've <laughs> there is a lot of issues in – with, with the last incursion into, into Lebanon a couple
0: of years ago? 2006. 2006? They, um, Israel has the strongest military um, in the Middle East by far. It's not even close. Yeah, and everybody knows that. And number two is Egypt, and Egypt, by the way, I think we talk about courageous Muslim leaders, Egypt has prospered more than any other country, probably with the exception of Saudi Arabia, because they don't have as much oil. But since their decision to embrace Israel, or embrace, you know, they get three billion dollars in economic and uh, military support, aid, and they have recognition, and you know, and the whole nonsense that they had a couple of years ago. I think was, you know, very, very uh, short-sighted, as we see. They not really bear that let much me, fruition. To
3: be more I'm not talking about land. I'm talking about the proliferation of nuclear weapons by Iran.
0: Is, is, Israeli, is do So you know, is that is Israel, a that is a potential. That's a potential existential threat to Israel. Uh, I think there's no doubt about it. And Jean- Jean- Jean talks about it all the time. He's going to speak in Congress now um, in two weeks. He's going to mention that probably you know, half of his speech.
1: And that, that's the point of his
0: coming. But the
6: Speaker of the House, oh, the
7: invited, of the
5: house. invited him, right. Right. Yeah, invited right. him
6: right. protocol which I have personally no problem with because I'd rather breach protocol than breach the law, which Obama
1: does all so, so, of, uh, so, so in, the time. So, in
0: 1981, in 1981, really in, 1981 in 1981, there was uh, a nuclear facility in Osirak in, in Baghdad. Ir- in Iraq. In Iraq, exactly. And the Israeli Air took it out. And in yeah. 2007... There was in Syria. Yeah, and they took it out exactly. Um, yeah. As to what exists in Iran, I'm not an expert in like nuclear weapons or whatever. I don't know anything about him. Uh, but what I do know is that we've been hearing for a long time that like Iran is a month away or five months away. We hear that for the past 15 years. Yeah, we
4: something
0: about breakthrough. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's just yeah, you know. Um, as to what that exactly they I don't. I don't know what they're doing. You know, there was this Stuxnet. Remember that? That. Uh, you know, yeah, the computer virus. and then yeah, the computer virus, and then they did the assassinations of all the of all of all the nuclear scientists in Iran. Uh, was that Mossad? Was that Israel? Who knows? And
1: probably been
6: bombing also Syria, and that's been kept pretty quiet. That's they happened a couple of times.
0: You know,
1: I I also think
0: I think that um, the price of oil and how that affects Iran.
6: Good
0: for probably. I'm sorry.
6: More
0: power to Israel doing these things. I mean, so, yeah, well, they have to. Yeah. They have no other option. Exactly. Um, but I, I think that probably is going to positively contribute because if a country doesn't have enough money to pay its uh, municipality workers and the people that are sweeping the streets and the people that are working for the government, they probably have less time and focus and money and energy to uh, to pay for uh, for the proxy battle uh, in Syria and in Lebanon and, and Gaza and to pay for all that it takes to create this weapon that's probably not going to do anything for you. So this is probably another good thing. So I I don't know what's going to happen with that. It it remains to be seen. Um, Most, I think we always underestimate the the power of international pressure and sanctions. You know, uh, I I think we really do, you know, I think for us, it's like, you know, we could say, hey, just bomb them all. But like, from my understanding, there's, uh, they diversified their, they diversified their um, uh, locations of nuclear sites uh, many of them are are, are built, you know, uh, underneath mountains and stuff. I don't know how practical. It I'm sure that if there was possible for them to, uh, you know, take a reasonable military um, operation against against them, they would probably do it. Just get it over with uh, and I deal think with it, the consequences.
2: Yeah, is waiting because of the uh, of the extension of the talks.
0: Extension of the talks, I but it, I also think that. Uh, that within Iran itself, I think the fervor of uh, of of the Islamists probably waned waned a little bit as well.
6: Yeah, but that's I think that might be all the more reason that they're they're really stepping up their efforts to get them. I, I just think they need to. I, I mean, I don't. Have, I, I think the the religious people who really hold the power in Iran.
0: Uh, they're Shia. Really, they're Shiites. They're, they're, they're out they, of the minds. That's the problem. They're Shiites. They're Shiite Muslims. They're yeah. crazy. Yeah, they're crazy.
6: Well, that's my point. And they are driven ideologically, religiously, yeah. to yeah. do this. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's a scary thing. That's when we were about and when
0: someone's movement. willing to die and just you know just take out millions yeah. of people These with them, clowns
3: are very willing to die.
0: Yeah, it's it's yeah. insane.
3: And that's the difference between like you know the Soviets were rational people. But exactly. We were talking about. North Korea or the Shiites or others. We're talking about Jihad and others that they're philosophically crazy
7: and they would be willing to incinerate all of their population if they could incinerate Israel. So that's, very scary. Scary.
0: Yeah. that's very scary. That's very... That's You're very. Yeah. At the long
2: term, I think Netanyahu will it, strike.
0: Uh, you think so? But the question is if they I have the capability.
2: Yeah, yeah, I the think thing. he would have done it by now but they extended the talks. Yeah. And he's waiting to see it to break down there. And what happens and... I think when that comes to a conclusion, Netanyahu will strike. The, the good—I th- th- I don't think they have any choice. I think the good thing from our perspective
6: as Americans, though, is we can take some pride and comfort in the fact it seems like here in this country, our country, Israel is very widely supported uh, in in <laughs> by the person on the street compared, <laughs> compared to Europe and yeah. all that. Uh, Relatively, yeah. yeah. Relative, because, and in Congress, it is very strong. I mean, it wasn't. The it's
5: like, the only good thing to come from the evangelical religious right, in my personal view. Well, like that's the only thing. Well, I think, think that I think the I moral fiber they're promoting, right not just religion, for Israel. Because, like, I
6: think the religious right is doing
5: or very or good.
1: What they say to your face and what they say yeah. in their own heart... I don't yeah. care
6: what somebody thinks. I care what somebody does. Yeah. And I, Right that's now, there are friends, and we don't yeah. have enough friends, and we should be very appreciative of any type of support. I think.
7: Okay. Except exactly. <laughs> <we, laughs> <we, laughs> that is, Israel has you know, to speak for themselves. Iran support supported by Russia. Everybody knows, right? Now China with Russia. You know, they came, you know, yeah. allies for a long time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But between the United States and Israel, we talk a lot. But we have to talk less. And after. You know, she said, we don't believe in to kill people. You know Sometimes you have to. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to kill yeah. I mean, <laughs> my boy, I decided to die. When I was 10 years old, I said, well, I have to choose. Live Salvador or die. Because when I stay in Salvador in the 80s, right? Yeah. If I don't leave, I got to die. Why? Because they got to take me to the recruiting to the fighting guerrillas, right? So I don't have a choice. My whole village, my home family, Mm -hmm. we don't have a choice. So I I say, to get a visa to the United States, I have to prove I have millions of dollars. You know, the other way, they don't want you here. So I don't have a choice to cross the Rio Grande for swimming. So it's easy to talk, but the thing is we have to act. Yeah. And around learned that sometimes a little seven years old, eight years old, you know. Mm-hmm. We don't have to talk a lot. And that's the problem we have in the United States, talking, 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 but we're not doing nothing. You know, we've been here for 2,000 years talking, and, you know, it's kind of another thing. It's easy, I've told him, to make a, a Jew, convert a Jew to Gentile, mm-hmm. and to convert a Gentile to a Jew. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. So we have to act. You know, I've been listening to you guys for a long time, but we <laughs> have to act, not talk. You know, uh, if it's like this. Look, Saddam Hussein. you have two choices. You do uh, Salam Hussain wait, or kill him. You know, if they come over there and make a peace, these people don't listen, but talk. You
5: have yeah. to it. cut
7: yeah. the head off. You know, yeah. that's the only thing is fear. The only thing is fear. You have yeah. to. You don't have a choice. Look, well, God, at its root, you're trying to with the people. We don't people. have to look nothing at the absolute Torah. The Torah, the Torah, Torah is yeah. very clear. Anything, yeah. any answer you want, any answer I want, it's in a toilet. I don't even have to come and ask you opinions, because it's in a toilet. But you have to know how to look. You know? And the thing is, when we talk witty, witty, witty. Thank you, John.
0: It's job, awesome. <laughs> no more talking for me. <laughs> I'll
7: tell you this. Uh, nobody knows this. I only got three years to school. Yeah, I'm school. sorry? And for me to go to school, that's why I appreciate so much life. Mm-hmm. I have to work three hours that way and three hours coming back. And I have to cross three rivers. Like 7 crates swimming with the with snake. alligators. And huh? Alligators. No, alligators we have a snake. Okay? But the thing is, I come here, and I see we have everything, and people still complain. You know? You see? You know when you have, when you know we have everything, when you lose it. And mm-hmm. you know, in Israel, I love Israel. My only. Mm-hmm. All right? I've been quiet for so many years. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, we have to come together. You know, it's like when you talk about Jewish community, Jewish community. Yeah, but Jewish community, everybody has the own kitchen, everybody has this, everybody. You know, it's not like a Jewish community. I want more united, more. You probably yeah. my problem. Yeah. But yeah. divided. Look we divide it. All We have this, we have that. There are so many. But it's, we have to ask. We have to say, listen, you probably my problem. This is that. And, mm-hmm. and, and this is what Jews make. But mm-hmm. we can. It's what... That's why my family don't you know, want to marry yeah. Gentile. Yeah. And I tell you, I told my mother, when they marry somebody I don't know, yeah. and when, when I met my wife, I said, hey, you, come over. Yeah. You my recognize. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to marry Gentile because different culture. Yeah. You know? I want to marry because everybody, my mother, my father, everybody married Gentile. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, Jews, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's because now I understand why. Because it's different live, different culture. Mm-hmm. All right? And I tell you a story. story. <clears throat> when my family moved to that, Latin America, it was like brother. Mm-hmm. So I went back to Israel. When they used to work hard, go back and for One day,
0: that was my grandfather's. Uh, sorry to cut him, but I only have a few more minutes in the beginning. Go ahead. join this. One day, this man went to work. They left the lunch in Amateur. It was
7: four brats. Jews. Why? Because it was. They went back to the house and what happened to our women. They find the women's dead. You know what they did? Get ready with the machetes, the weapons, and went to the next village, to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. I believe my opinion. You mess with somebody who mess with me, I throw the whole house to the window, like they say. You know, I have to do what I had to do. Yeah. But I believe not to her. Like my grandfather used to show me, said, who love you is not who helps you, who's don't bother you. Yeah. You know, I believe if I don't give you I don't take. You know? So it will be fine. So anyway, so you know what I'm saying? We have to come together. That's the goal. No no it's too many questions. Yeah. My opinion is like this, like the chicken, you know the mm-hmm. ham? Yeah. I remember you know yeah. what they do. It's it's the chicken. Yeah. Yeah. It, which and you see do.
5: that metaphor so much.
7: So like that is
5: the metaphor for Israel, is that theoretically we should be chicks gathered under me. Okay. Like, well, that's
7: my opinion, but between people. all of us, you all my brothers, I love you guys. Yeah. Like I say, another thing, says I'm a little kid, I can never love a car, I can never love a house, I love you guys, I love God, I love you guys. Mm-hmm. Why? Because God's a jealous God, and yeah. that's the thing we're going to say. God's a loving God, we can okay only love Him, and mm-hmm. we can okay only love people. Yeah. Okay material, yeah. but here, yeah. oh, I love my house, I love my car, I love my wall, I love this, mm-hmm. you know, things don't work like that. Yeah. You know, and that's they who said, Who oh, wants a blessing? How are you gonna get blessing You know? Mm-hmm. You know, there's people judging me. You see how I look. But mm-hmm. I like to look like that. You know what? We gotta mm-hmm. let people to see you. But yeah. You know what I mean? I, and I teach my kids, just know what you know, and what you say, what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, I work with a lot of people, you know, educated. Mm-hmm. And I only went to years to school, but no feeling high school. Mm-hmm. No feeling uh first grade, you know. Mm-hmm. And they say to me, How many years you went to uh, university? You know how I know the university? From mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. In the pictures. So that's the I know. Yeah. But that time I deal with so many people, so much education. And I look at it and say, that's when you went to the university. Now you're in debt, you have to pay money back to the university. You're in debt. I met a guy at 60 years old. Still they loads. $250,000 <laughs> in the bank and a How much you earn? I say, I'm in debt. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in debt. I'm in debt. Where are you from? Where are you from? Where well, my story, my story, my family moved from Israel to, to Spain. From Spain to kick out of there, I went to Turkey. From Turkey, Salvador. And now, I don't know. So you grew up in El Salvador? Yeah, after 10 years old. But like I said, we had everything. We, we don't have no problem. We grew up the land, we were blessed. You know, I mean, uh, guerrillas, you know, the, the Nicaragua, we so I don't have a choice. I told my mother, I have choice. Stay here and die. You know, I make decisions when I was 10 years old. I tell you, when I swim in the real Bravo, if I drown and die, I was the happiest man. At least I tried. I tried.
5: Mm-hmm. With
7: my web, with my shoes. And it's easy to talk. But right? when you swim in the real Bravo, mm-hmm. with the clothes, and you you know, they sink you. Especially if you come out here, you go here, you come coming out like two miles down the road. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened over here. Most of the people we deal with, you know, we're true with that. You know, we, we just thought, and life is so beautiful, but you know, the most part is to enjoy it is we have to thank God. It's like I tell my kids, people say, thank you, God. I said no, it's yes, God, thank you. Because then first we put the thank God, and God always be first. You know, and, and we put God first, everything we have, we speak the same language. Yeah. But when, when we put God after, anything to you,
0: thank you. Thank you. Wow, Janet, you have something to say. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, um, okay, so there's a few. um, We didn't get to talk about the army or whatever. Uh, I would just maybe quickly finish up here a little bit about how the um, the kind of various compromises that were reached uh, between you know the religious and the secular Zionists at the early formation of the state. Um, but I think it's also important, you know, when we talk about the state and what is the nature of the state, what's the mission, like what, what's the uh, perspective that we have, but what's also the perspective that other people have, like the other countries when they look at Israel, do they see a secular state? Absolutely not. You know, the 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 opposition that uh, that the Catholic Church had uh, to Israel at the beginning was prob- primarily based upon the fact that. The idea of Jews going back to Israel, reestablishing a state, was in direct contradiction to everything that they were preaching for thousands of years—that the Jews were gone and they ain't coming back. You know, um, the, Ju- the Jews themselves, Ben had said this, and even the this day, Tali Bennett said it. Uh, you know, uh, a few weeks ago, what's our deed to the land? What's our claim to the land? The historical claim is the Torah. You know, so ironically, we have this. Claim to land via the Torah, and God promises it to Abraham, etc. Mm-hmm. And your kids are going to have the land, and again and again, that theme is hammered at over and over and over again in the Torah. Uh, yet, there's this uh, claim to try to divest any religious uh, significance to the state.
5: That's one reason, also, why, Netanyahu God wants is Israel to be classified as state, because he wants it to that
6: it belongs to okay. the Well, if that'll really solve the problem of anybody's ignorance, the then that's fine. I, I just don't think, I don't think there's any, I never knew there was any doubt about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so,
1: you then, know, I, then I then really did Now there's people the that question, want to, for their own the reasons, deny is, it. And I don't I think, think you're you
6: going to stop them from that just by enacting a law. I really don't. Uh, do it'll uh, help. You know? I don't know that it'll, Well, I'm not against it. I don't, it doesn't, I don't know that it matters.
0: Uh, when they uh, when they when they had the declaration May Fourteenth, nineteen forty-eight, declaration of independence of Israel, Friday afternoon, uh, the the exact text of the declaration was also uh, a compromise it doesn't it doesn't mention God in the text. But
6: it does mention as a Jewish state. Doesn't
0: it? Well, yes, but it doesn't mention God at all. Okay. What it does mention is Sur Yisrael, the Rock of Israel, which. Uh, because it has that ambiguity, everyone was happy with it. Mean, it was a negotiation that right. they had because it could refer to God. It could refer maybe to the IDF. It could refer to who knows what it could refer to. Rock of Israel could be ambiguous. Sure. Example of, 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 uh, of how they came to an agreement. Um, the status quo law. So this is the agreements at the inception of the state. So um, during the – 1948, they already had the agreement um, – uh, um, Ben-Gurion had uh, with, with the chief rabbinate with regards to the 400 students that were studying in Israel, uh, full-time in yeshiva. Um, that, uh, that has uh, that exemption of full-time yeshiva students still exists to this day. Uh, there's a law right now called Tal Law, which is going to basically undo that. You have quotas, um, limitations on that. Um, it's a very, very, very um, divisive and hotly debated very, also, a very sensitive topic, you know, like it's it's been pending for a while. Exactly, um, so it be there for a while. It, it's a problem because well, on one hand, there's there's uh, Netanyahu. Um, um, Benjamin wrote a letter. He says, "Hey, is it fear that one one mother will have her son die in battle in defense of the state, or the other mother will have a son, you know, uh, in you know, in a peaceful environment of the yeshiva studying? Is that fear? I think that's legitimate. Legitimate." Question. You know, I don't think it's a it's an easily answerable question. So when we talk, maybe I guess we'll have to do some other time about about what's the arguments to and for to and for uh, this law and what's the Torah perspective, what's the rationale of of of, uh, of both sides.
3: It's not pacifism, right? It's just interruption of their studies. Is that is that
0: why there isn't
3: there? I'm
0: sorry. Is that the rationale for the exemption? No, the rationale was that. Uh, that if someone is going to declare that Torah is what it's called Torah Torah is his craft. If that's what someone's going to they do all day. Then they're exempt. Why they came to the agreement, uh, that's debated as well. You know, there are those that say, um, even though this is, uh, I think this is revisionist history, but there are those that like uh, Yair Lapid. So he's at the forefront of the effort to try to undo this this law. The status quo law, uh, and his he always claims, even though I haven't found any reference to the accuracy, the historicity of this claim, but he claims that the reason why this law was established was because uh, the Holocaust decimated the vibrant yeshiva world that existed in Europe, and as an effort to rehabilitate that world to a small degree, they said, you know, let the 400 students, okay, let them build something. But now it's such a, a powerful force in Israeli culture doesn't need to be, you know, doesn't need to you know, be have any favoritism.
1: What's the I length of a, a four-year exemption? Three, three, 3 years. 3 years. Yeah. Three years. Um
0: Someone give them a four-year like, college, give them a four-year exemption study, and then they go
1: into So all well, all well, well, that's the problem. Isn't, I'm, it? I'm, isn't I'm, it lifelong? Well, yeah, but you can you know, we're compromising yeah. here,
2: you know. I know. When I was in Israel in 1972, I went about three days after the Lod Airport massacre and I was talking to the Israeli people and my friends over there and all that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. And the sentiment against the yeshiva types oh, yeah. was so terrific. He so here we are sitting there, boys, up there, they're getting killed all the time. They finally won the war. And these guys said they won the war because they were sitting there during the war reading. That Amen.
0: was the sentiment. That and that that like I said, the, the argument is that it's not fair, and it's you know, you know, why should one Jew be placed in the line of fire where the other one is protected by the, you know, by the the edifice of the yeshiva? That's the, that's, that, that's now, one of the
6: arguments. Aren't there some that take the position that um, at wartime that they leave the yeshiva and then they you know they find religious or scriptural or some. Sort of thing that when when
0: we're in state when we're threatened, we have to. Uh, uh, so, uh, one of the arguments from a Torah perspective, so like I would, this is, I would call this the religious Zionist argument, why everyone has to join uh, the army is because it's called a mitzvah, a, a a mitzvah uh, war. In, in in Jewish in Jewish warfare, there's different kinds of there's different classifications of wars. There are wars that are done uh, merely to increase territory. That would be called a for shus, a voluntary uh, uh, war. And that you have, I guess, whoever's conscripted, whoever's part of the army, they join that. Uh, a mandatory war doesn't make any distinctions. And the Talmud says that if someone is a husband and a wife, a groom and a bride, they leave their wedding ceremony. Everyone joins the war effort. So the argument would be that if joining the war effort in Israel is to be classified as a milchemetz mitzvah, as a as a mandatory war, uh, then everyone has to join. That's the ar- that, that that's one of the arguments. Absolutely. Would, oh, yeah.
6: what would
0: do? I'm sorry. Trained, what would
4: they do? No, they. That's why they, have to they They would probably, I guess,
6: to train, I guess, train. I guess as quickly as they
0: could a lot of these ideas are thank you a lot of these ideas are being debated um unfortunately we didn't finish so maybe we'll have some uh, uh, we'll have an opportunity to actually discuss these in depth at some other at some other time one other yes one other thing Take a
6: chapter of the torah and talk about it in the next class find out the in-
0: intricate secrets or what have you that's encapsulated in the Torah. Of what? Chapter, whatever. Chapter. Which chapter? Anywhere? Whichever. Is there Any one you chapter?
5: like in Chicago? Yes. Which one? Well, I, I like the one with
0: the actions. We could do that. I think that's well. We already have, I think, schedules set set in place. Yeah, we for.
6: This, this curriculum is already scheduled.
0: But we'll add it to the, okay. the curriculum. Absolutely. That's
3: Future curriculums.
6: We <laughs> <yeah. laughs> uh, next
1: week is Q&A. Uh,
0: uh,
6: we're oh, Q&A, a. fantastic.
0: Maybe let's, we could. Ju-
6: let's adjudicate how good an investment goal is. <laughs> that's
1: that's uh, terrible. Uh, you like good. it? No. Terrible. I think it's yeah. a horrible
6: long-term investment.